Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Truck and Driver podcast. I'm Doogie Rankin. Chris Madison. How are you doing, alright? Aye. Had a good weekend? Uh, yeah, yard all day yesterday, so it was nice. And um, pub and in front of the fire today, which is even better. Yes, I saw on Facebook that uh, you'd service the food. Hi, old lass. She'd, <coughs> she had a hard week, so she got the full package on uh, Saturday morning. Oil and filters, fuel filter, and a really good bath. Up and down, underneath, everywhere. She was hanging, absolutely hanging. I'd hope the rain coming back down from Scotland Friday would have washed most of it off, but no. She was black, so she's not black anymore until at least half past seven in the morning. That's good, because, well, I mentioned, kind of tongue-in-cheek, I said Chris Madison, owner of the UK's most famous food, and, and as it turns out, I think it almost certainly is, because everywhere you go, you're getting people seem to be posting on Facebook, who owns that silver Foden? Uh, yeah, I got that. spotted a little bit three times last week, I think. You're yeah, I got that the night. Pulled into Les Mago about nine o'clock. Oh, that silver Foden's just rolled in. <laughs> yeah, it's a good job I'm not up to any, uh, any mischief these days. A, a white Renault Premium next, I think. Yeah, that, there's going to be a shading because whatever you get, even if even if you went and bought an FH16 750 or an S730 Scania, it still wouldn't have the, the rarity, the uniqueness that the Foden's got. No, but it's uh, it's quite a trade-off being able to sneak about sometimes, isn't it, surely? <laughs> and, I have to be honest, the amount of free beer that you get at truck shows is negligible, so it's not doing me any good on that basis either. I was having a look again. There's more of these Scania R450s. Uh, people seem to be buying them in because they're, they're coming out the big fleets now and people are picking them up second-hand. Yeah. Um, yeah, they seem to be a popular choice. The thing that I forgot to do today was to ask on Facebook and Twitter and all that about uh, R490 Scania's yeah. because they're so rare and nobody seems to know very much about them compared to, I mean, you see 510 DAFs everywhere, 500 horsepower Volvos and comparatively you don't see many R490s at all. So no, there's Aitkins running up, up, uh, up your way. Basil Baird's got a few of them and I know that um, the tank container place in Grangemouth, they've got some of them as well. Right. I see Aitkins about in that, in that sort of Wedgwood blue colour. And I've um, Travis Perkins' big spot at side at 56 there. Out towards Warrington, they used to run a fleet of them out of there. I don't know if they're still there or not, to be honest. But mm. I don't know anything about the 490. Not a thing. No. So, if anybody um, who's happened to be listening to this does know, please get in touch, you know. It's nice to know when people are actually listening to it. We did get a bit of, did get a bit of feedback this week. We've got our first binge listener. Scott Andrews on YouTube, um, who has been in Trucking Driver with his MAN, and he also does uh, YouTubing. He's got a channel. Um, he said he, he recently discovered the podcast and binge listened to all six. <laughs> I get quite a few on um, on a Monday and a Tuesday that uh, listen to it Monday morning on the first punt up the road. Good evening, Mr. Barton, one of them. And Mr. Waller, how are you? Have you had a good weekend? We can do shout-outs now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Requests. Yeah, last week... <laughs> What did I do this week? I've done over 2,000 miles in the cars again this week because I went down to Northampton for my smart motorway CPC course with Agua Consulting, which is, I'll give them a plug here, it's A-G-U-A, Agua, as in, I think that's Spanish for water. Mm-hmm. They run the smart motorways driver CPC course, and it, it was a good day. There was another good group of people on it. And it was interesting because it, it gave you some stuff to think about, about smart motorways and what you would do. Because obviously these, it's up in the air at the moment as to whether any more are going to be built, but there's hundreds of miles of the bloody things. So yeah. um, learned a few things about it because the, what you need, 
with smart motorways, highways England haven't told anybody what you're supposed to do on these and what, what it's actually doing, which they should have done right from the start. So there's, there's a few things that you would need to know about it. The first thing is, there's a, what you need to do when you break down, because we were talking about that your company, if you're a lorry driver, should probably have a breakdown plan for what happens when the thing conks out. Yeah. Uh, and also importantly, you should really be speaking to your relatives, your your wife, your husband, your your gran, your son or daughter about this, because if they're going on a journey on the motorway and their car breaks down on a live lane of a smart motorway, who would actually know what to do? And the answer is yeah. probably not very many people. No. So I have a phone number. This is what you're supposed to If you break down on a smart motorway, the thing you're supposed to do is, first of all, get yourself safe which means out the vehicle safely, possibly ideally out the near side. And there's a phone number for the highways agency, which you phone and then they will go and put the red X's up in the lane and come and assist you. And it's 0300 You can also phone 999, but what they are going to do is basically connect you to Highways England. So that number, I'm going to put it in the podcast post, is extremely important because when the lane's live, you're in danger of somebody running into the back of you which is the problem yeah. with this because I've got rid of the hard shoulder. And, of course, there aren't really enough safe the refuge areas. They didn't put enough in. They're, they're quite far spaced apart, and they should be at least half that, I think. Mm. Um, have you had any? Have you experienced anything on smart motorways where you've seen yeah. breakdowns or near misses or things? Because I've had it. I've had to swerve out past vehicles and things. That are, well, not at the last minute, but it's a bit hairy when you find something there. Uh, the air feed, the main air feed up to driver's seat burst on mine going up towards M18 from Sheffield. So, um, yes, <clears throat> empty tanks in about 50 yards and there we were. And it's absolutely tipping down. It was dark. It was about middle of October. So that got quite exciting. I have to be honest, the time it took me to stop, hazards and beacons on, and then panic a bit, lift seat up manually, stick a flask under it, Chop 10 mil pipe off, reconnect it with a connector, flask out, back down, back in, towel on head, lights off and gone. I never saw a soul. Nobody hit me, you know, thankfully, but I never saw anybody from highways. I never saw anything. There was nothing. It was just yeah. a case of you're buggered and you're in the way, so let's get mended and let's get gone. And that was it. I was lucky, I suppose, but I'm uphill. So anything that's going to be in that lane is going to be heavy and going to be going slow and can see for miles. So mm. I'm fairly sure that's why we didn't have any bother. Yeah. I mean, it's not thing. so much, yeah, it's not so much trucks. It's like, you know, it's just mm. people and people in cars that, that don't really know what to do in panic. One of the tips that we had was, was like, don't try and push your car right over the barrier. So it's like half on the lane and half out. It's like, leave it in the lane because then if it's like half wedged in, then it's harder to see. And yeah. vehicles will be trying to yeah. just squeeze past when they can't really. Yeah. But it's definitely worth saying to anybody who's in your family or your friends if they're going away, yeah. have a think about what you need to do in a smart motorway. So, yeah, it was a good. Um, it was a good course. Interesting chatting about it. So I'll go and write up a bit in the magazine right. on it as well. So we're lucky um, we can see you know we can see a mile down the road, can't we, from where we are up there? You know, but I suppose yeah. car drivers generally don't have the same level of awareness we have anyway, unless they're Formula One drivers or mm, Mr. Hacken and something similar. But um, they don't look any further than end of bonnet, most of them. And oh, everything yeah. that happens is a shock. It's 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 amazing. You know, I'll see it regular on 180. We've got two lanes and one cone by junction two. 
and it's 800 yards, 600 yards, 400 yards back, and he's still there, and he's still in inside lane, and I'm still watching it, thinking he's just <laughs> had, he's going to hit these cones, he's going to, and then half a second from oblivion, wallop out he goes into the third right. lane. That happens daily. What are they doing? I just in their own little world. Well, I was wrapping um, humbugs. I was I was down in England. Uh, spent the weekend with my girlfriend. We stayed down south and I went around to see some friends, which entailed a drive round the M25 on Saturday night. And I was in the car and I was explaining like the standard of driving. And I was like, look, look at this. And the amount of cars that were just sitting in the third lane out of four. And I'm yeah. like driving along in the inside lane because it's empty and uh, people yeah. speeding up and slowing down and everything. And she's like, oh, you're right, it is. And I'm like, I'm on the road constantly. This is why I'm like irritated by it. Yeah, people just don't... No, it's it's epidemic levels of like bad lane discipline and not watching what you're doing. And then, of course, I'd sent you a news story this afternoon, which had come up. It was an opinion piece mm. on a newspaper saying about elephant racing and trucks overtaking each other in the A14, and it should be banned. But it, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, yeah. that, because, um, yeah, it, trucks taking ages to overtake each other is frustrating. It's It's frustrating... If you're in the outside lane and somebody's held you out, because have we actually had a moan about this in the podcast yet? Because it's like one of my pet hates no, drivers. No. If you're getting overtaken and the guy's marginally faster than you, it's like just knock the crews off and let them past you so the traffic can move on. Because it's also frustrating if you're in a lorry whereby one of the really slow ones, like a Maritime or a Tesco, is doing 50 and then somebody's out overtaking them who's doing 51 and you're sitting in a truck that will do 56 or more. <laughs> sitting as well yeah. but the guy on the, new, the, the news uh, website article had said you know does it really make a difference and if this podcast ends up going viral and we get like you know loads of people listening to it probably because we've offended somebody and they're looking for something to pick up on <laughs> yes it, it really can make a massive difference in a truck you can't afford to sit there all day behind somebody who's doing 52 if you're doing 56 and you need to get somewhere yeah. if you sit that's difference of 15 minutes over the course of half a shift and we're on tachographs and yeah and it's it is difficult to sit behind guys sometimes because there's a new type of frustration that's come in where with modern trucks and predictive cruise control you can have a guy who's faster than you but he's maxing out his economy mode so his truck's knocking off all the speed at the top of the hill and dropping to 48 miles an hour so you try and get out past him, then he rolls down the other side and eco rolls up to 60 and gets up to speed again and you can't get past him. And that's only something that's been happening in the last couple of years. And yeah. I don't think a yeah. lot of people understand it or know what's happening, but the thing to do is just let people pass because you don't make any friends mm. and it's just ignorant. Don't do it. Maybe you're listening to this right now and you're holding somebody out in the middle lane. Well, I hope you feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing on the agenda, the Stralis update, the long-standing, ongoing saga of the Iveco Stralis 570. It is happening. I'm getting the truck, and then you're getting the truck in March mm. for some uh, thorough testing purposes. And I know that the Stralis is about to get put out of grass and replaced by the SOA, but I've been wanting a shot of one of these for ages, and so have you. So the master mm. plan is I'm going to get the Iveco are going to take it to Durham, I'm going to go to Durham and pick it up and then I'm going to work it for all of us the same as I did with the yellow truck. So I will pick it up and drive it to Hexham and get a trailer and then run about in it. And then on the Friday, I'm going to bring the truck to you 
And yes. um, we've already got a full set of photographs of this truck, so I want to do so. I want to go and spend what I would maybe normally spend on photography and doing some video with it. Yeah. So I will bring the truck to you on the Saturday, and then I'll take all my stuff out it, and then it's yours for the week, and we can uh, both give it our most thorough appraisal. I'm quite mm. looking forward to it because Bob Beach said the thing goes like the absolute clappers and Iveco are just rubbish at promoting it. They've, they've got the most powerful 13-litre truck in the market. Scania are only just coming under the 540 and Iveco just don't see anything about it, you know? No. No, it's always been a strong point, really, way back onto engines. It's oh, yeah, good engines. Some right yeah. snorters over the years. Well, they've got a combine harvester engine which is like a Cursor 16 or something, which could go into the S-way and they could, in theory, have 800 horsepower. And that would just be so hilarious if they did it, even if it was a loss leader, you know, if they sold 10 of them. It would just yeah. be funny <laughs> just to go and, like, go around the side of Volvo and Scania. There yeah. we go, Iveco, 800 horsepower. I think you used to put big IV kill lumps in Heston self-propels. They were a self-propelled chopper, you know, a forager. They were a guy in uh, right. Home Firth shipped one in it was an old contraption a cabless thing but it had a big iv lump in it and it um it was a it was a heston power unit heston are famous for making square balers but this thing right. i don't know if it was a a workshop built thing or what but I, I fetched it for him years ago from staffordshire and it was a right tool it looked like a dinosaur it's no cab on it spout obviously on chopper went over top of him but when that thing Google went, when that thing went up to full, I must have farming lads and it'll be getting a froth on now. Um, <clears throat> oh, and this thing uh, had wound itself up. By God, it could knock on. It had a Pottinger Mech Six forage harvester grafted onto the front on, on reverse drive mode, and it it looked appalling. But by God, did it howl! It was a beast. Everybody around here used to come to Homley when that thing was uh, smashing up and down in grass and come and have a look. Well, it's a Yorkshire farmer thing anyway, just looking over, you know, the top of the stone wall. Whenever any neighbours buy anything exciting, everybody comes from miles around because jungle drums start beating and they all come to have a, have a peep. I don't know if I have any pictures of this thing anywhere. I fetched it on one of um, Barrett's low loaders from Oldham. Anybody that knows Barrett's will know this. Barrett's, one. yes. Still runs some cracking ODRS. Well, Colin lent me his ex-army low loader with knockout back axles. So... I tootled down one Friday night and fetched this thing from Staffordshire and uh, released yeah, it in that's... home. For the only thing with this, it used to, it were a V-belt drive, it were a belt drive, and it used to chew belts up. So you'd just mm. get nice down into a thick crop of silage and everybody would be peeping over at walls. Like I've said, you'd just see top of flat caps and a bit of pipe smoke coming over at wall. And she'd be going, howling, absolutely bloody howling, and then suddenly she wouldn't be anymore because it chewed through another set of belts. I don't know if you ever got that... Uh, belt issue sorted out or what but for a bit I think it were a bit to that you know probably some genius in a workshop down in Midlands and thought well I've got this old harvester I've got this power unit I've got a couple of wigs and some spanners and I'm gonna have a go and it and it created a monster it was a thing and a half of that but anyway we're kind of going off on an agri tangent again but um yeah. Ah, Fred, that, uh, the sort of Fred Dibner School of Engineering, is it? Aye. Well, that's Colin Barrett as well. At, at so Barrett's. Do, you know, do you know Barrett's? Because that was yeah. all, that was one when I was freelance, so they're kind of like vaguely, yeah. they were yeah, always no. on my radar because I remember like 2017, I think it was, um, there was horrendous traffic somewhere, so I was cutting through Oldham to try and get up onto the 62, mm. and this thing appeared in my mirror, and it was a C-series, not an E, or an EC, or an ECX, yeah. a C-series. 
and this like, howling oh, daffodils. I have loads of photographs of stuff I drove for Colin Barrett when I, cause when I were asking Brian, that we mentioned last week on uh, yes. Farmer Mode, I used to work for Colin on a Wednesday or a Tuesday, depending which day I could get, and we used to go across. And his, uh, his nephew, Dan, Dan Hartley, was on uh, National Certificate NCA asking Brian. So he says, oh, you know, Colin will, uh, will let you play. So I used to go across, he used to send me off in all kinds of stuff. Said Atkinson day cab double drives and stuff down to Avonmouth to fetch carbon black back up to Berwyn's. Having passed me test in 88, I'd never driven anything as fundamentally scary as a double drive day cab said Atkinson with a 410. That's straight on. I used to go on at uh, junctions, you'd set up <laughs> and to push you. And I, I drove a few of those Cs. Um, I, I've pictures of all of them, to be honest. Fantastic outfit. And if you oh. broke down, you rang Colin. You didn't ring uh, Daffod or anybody like that. You rang Colin, and Colin had come snorting down to fetch you on Pennine Hercules, a self-built Aki re- uh, wrecker mm. and with a ship's winch on back. He still runs Hercules. She's still in yard, still fit as. Um, oh, you need to hook us up. They need to be in truck and driver. That would be so cool. I don't know if Colin would be interested in any of that, to be fair, but um, mm. one or two of his men would. Oh, yeah, um, they've, got, they've got a fabulous EC14. I wish mm. one of them. That gets pictured quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a popular one. And when they die, you know, when they expire, they don't go anywhere. They go down the yard. So, um, Do they expire? Because it seems that they, they, a lot of them simply just keep running forever. <laughs> well, they do, but there's that much down the yard to keep them going. So, you know... It could die at dinner time and be back out at tea time because that's how Colin operates. He can mend anything. He's, you know, he'll do head gaskets at side at road and get him going again. He's some chap. Speaking of British lorries of the 1980s, I have a book by that title which arrived randomly in the post when I was in the office on Friday. I wasn't, hmm? There wasn't any real reason for me to be in the office other than I wanted to be near London <laughs> on Friday. So we'll see if my boss listens to this or not because... The only reason I was really in the office, apart from a 10-minute meeting on Friday, was so I could charge my petrol expenses back to work. <laughs> <coughs> You'll find out about 9 o'clock in the morning if he listens to this. Then. Yeah, we'll just go and see if he listens to it or not. Eh? I'm like, hey, you! <laughs> but I've got this book, Britain's Lorries in the 1980s by Peter Davies, who is the godfather of truck journalism. Peter is mm. 80. Is it this later this week? Peter's been photographing trucks since like the 1950s, and he does so much work for magazines. And when I got the job on Trucking Driver. I'd always admired Peter's work, so I said I would like to do an article on him. So I went out and met him and then spent the day with him. And I did a, an article all about, all about Peter. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, I popped in to see him as well. And he's doing great. But this this book is fabulous. I got a lot of books sent in the post. And they're like, all right, but this has got hundreds of pictures all taken by Peter of everything that was on the road in Britain in the 1980s. And it's not just pictures he's got in-depth details on all the trucks. I'm looking now at Leyland Octopus on an X-Reg. And he's to, you know, there's so much detail in this book, and I think it's, yeah, it's fabulous. I'm going to review it in the magazine in some detail. Good uh, job. Yes. Oh, there's some Hinos in there as well. Oh, Bedford TMs and a funny little Renault G60. There's just everything, and it's all in glorious colour. Oh, there's a Sedan Atkinson. Or, well, I've got half double paper. Loads of Seth Atkinson's, yeah. So well recommended that book if you're looking for something on British lorries of the 1980s. That is perfect. <laughs> what else were you up to this week? 
Do we want to go into detail about horrendous facilities lest you get banned off-site somewhere else? Yeah, this is it, isn't it? You can name and shame quite I don't, really easily, I don't want to go into it. People are like, name and yeah. shame, and it's like, yeah, but if you yeah. go name and shame, you know, this, this is the thing with things. What I want to do is, I was supposed to go and have a meeting and an interview with the Traffic Commissioner for Scotland, Claire Gilmore, but I, um, I'll put that back because it happened to fall on another date. Yeah. But, Claire Gilmore had said that they were very much up for going after companies that treated drivers badly because mm. the DVSA have got a thing saying if you spot if you know a, a lorry driver is driving tired or something, then you can report them. And it's like, well, why can't you report places that are treating drivers badly and making them tired but not allowing them access to their cars yeah. to yeah. go and rest and sleep? So I'm hoping that, you know, I think there should be an email address or should be somewhere where you can go and basically grass in all these horrible companies that make you sit in a frozen cold wooden shed or make you, you know, leave you sitting there for hours. Because I I think there should be something like, you know how you go into um, takeaways and they've got the stars on the door? Yeah. And there should be, you could be like, yeah, five star rated because this company looks after drivers when they're on site. And you could have like, you've got a one star rating because you basically treat them worse than animals. And then that would be like public knowledge and things, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because if a driver spends three hours sitting in like an old broken deck chair, then he goes out on the road and he's tired and has an accident, then that should be taken into account what's happened to him beforehand. Something mm-hmm. needs to change on this at some point. It's the 21st century. We're, we're, one fifth yeah. of the way into the twenty first century, and all this sort of stuff's going on. Well, they could do a lot worse than having an anonymous reporting line. You know, you can report smoky buses and smoky yeah. wagons and this and that. Yeah, because it needs to. Because I mean, like the health and safety executive and the traffic commissioners, they are immensely powerful. You know, they yeah. they could put the fee, the real fear into any company. You know, they can shut sites down there and then on the spot, and yeah, somebody needs to. Somebody in that sort of level of power need to be taking that up because the RHA get criticised for like not taking on the mantle with that sort of stuff, which they could probably they could work better as an intermediary between like the commissioners and things, you know. Yeah. Um, but there definitely needs to be a way just to yeah say you know this is horrendous. This is what's going on. Yeah, and the companies there's still no excuse. You know, you're like oh that well the drivers went in and made a horrendous mess of the toilets, but it still doesn't you should be denied access to facilities. Whoever made the mess should be banned, but why should everybody else have to be? Yeah, yeah, true. Ever vicious circles of, you're treated like an animal, so you behave like an animal. I just can't believe some of the things you see. I really can't. I mean, a lot of the times, for whatever reason, when they find out that you're an owner driver, they'll let you in. As if, if I was on, you know, if I was on the staff at Stop Arts, or, you know, I'm I'm suddenly going to be, like a subspecies, and I'm, I'm going to go mental in the in the bog. I don't know what that means. You know, oh, oh, is it your truck? Yeah. Oh, hey, presto, in you go. I'm thinking, well, what difference does it make? And I do tend to get into it with these people, which is why I'm banned from a few places, I think, because there's been, words have been had about various subjects. But you can't educate pork. I think that's the ultimate. You, you know, you cannot educate pork. You can only put applesauce on it and eat it. That's, that's it. That's a Yorkshire saying for you to unpick. Mm. You can bang your head against the same wall relentlessly because, you know, there's always going to be a wall and you're always going to have a head and you're always going to want to bang it the time you've spent a day dealing with idiots. But if one of the regulatory bodies did put aside some money and some time for this and have some kind of name and shame set up, then suddenly you'd find that DHL or anybody, you know, any of the others, not to single out DHL, but they're not going to want to be at top of leaderboard for complaints, are they? You know, 
they're not going to want to be there because public perception now about how green we are and how wonderful we are and all the rest of it, that's what they're getting on. You know, that's how they're trading now. They want to be seen to be marvellous. So if they're not marvellous, they need to be shown to be not marvellous. Yeah, definitely. Who could buy Mrs. Gilmore a nice sandwich and a you know and a Twix and, and get her properly on side when you go and see her. Maybe you'll get somewhere with it. I will do. I'll put her on the mailing list for truck and driver. Yeah, well, I'll cheer her up no end. <laughs> she, I was quite impressed. She knew who I was. I was like, oh. And like yeah, but way, for all the wrong like, reasons. Oh, you, you used to drive for such and such. I know who you are. Yeah, she remembers you from the public inquiry in 1997. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep hearing about the driver shortage there's a shortage of 60,000 drivers and there blatantly is not anywhere near that number of shortage of drivers there's a shortage of good drivers like people if you've got a a company that's got 10 drivers they'll probably have a core of like five good ones and then five will just revolve around and they would always like to get some more but there's also a kind of shortage of good jobs and good employers I think as well yeah but with the driver shortage, you would think that there would be more women joining the industry. But of course, why would women want to join such a horrible industry? I would have thought that if you got more women in, then they would be less inclined to accept the horrendous facilities and things as well, you know? Yeah. I think but, perhaps it comes down to women having more sense. There's more money to be made and better jobs closer to home. You know, yeah. I know one or two that, you know, that love it. But generally, a woman has got more sense. You know, a bloke could be thinking, hmm, big pipes. Mm. (laughs) Oh, Cummins, Trucker, all that. A woman, on the other hand, would be more pragmatic about it. Does it pay enough? Do I get enough quality time at home? And and they think, well, sod this for a game of soldiers. And they go off and do something marvellous and leave us lot to sit around in a cloud of diesel smoke talking about stuff in truck stops and going, no. 14 litre. I think you're you're pretty right. There's nowhere near that level of driver shortage anyway. If there was, things wouldn't be be getting where they're going, but they do through all that because the wind, yeah, the wind still hasn't died down because I came up, I went up and down the road non-stop in the car and that wind the other week, we'd storm Kira, storm Dennis, then we just did a storm that didn't get a name and that was the worst of the lot. There was an MAN uh, with a double deck trailer on it lying on its side at Tinto Hill and that got recovered on Friday. They decided to go and recover it at five o'clock on a Friday when like charge of the trunk brigade was leaving from yeah. Scotland. So if you turned right at Hindford Bridge and went through Rigside, you were okay. But if you turned left and went for Abington, you got stuck there for ages while they decided Aye. to recover that truck at the busiest time of the day they could have for other trucks coming that Aye. couldn't turn round or <clears throat> anything. So that was a, a brilliant idea. And then I came up, mm. oh, I came up the road today from Stansted, I drove up the road and there was a bad smash in the A14, no, was it the M11? Maybe the M11, it was shut. And the A66 been closed this weekend for resurfacing work or something. And, uh, the diversion route that they signed wasn't the best either, was it? So you're better off going up to 69 and across that way, I think, rather than going where they told you to go. Yeah, that would be better because you can end up in Barnard Castle and if you're not careful, you can end up at a seven and a half ton weight limit bridge Aye. if you happen to be driving with your brain disengaged. Mm. Um, you could end up there and you're not getting an arctic it's not like a bridge that you can drive over you wouldn't get an arctic over it the design of it which I I noticed today because I remember your um, your anecdote last week about giblets went down well because we'd spoken to our editor Ben said you need it would be good to structure the podcast and I don't think we've particularly managed it this week but no 
I, I keep coming <laughs> home. I keep coming home on a Sunday because I forgot to get a guest on as well. And I promise the guest next week is going to be. I'm going to have a chat with uh, Charlie Carolia from who is the admin and truckmate UK, who do a lot of wonderful charity work and everything. Yeah. So I've not got a guest on this week, but I have just been driving up and down the road and the car relentlessly doing stuff. So that was why I forgot. Mm-hmm. Where was I again? <laughs> Structured. Oh, yes. What it was, was um, I was coming through Barnard Castle and I thought, well, your story about giblets, your anecdote went down well. And I thought, yeah, I need an, I need more anecdotal stories and things about stuff. Mm. And when I came through Barnard Castle, I remembered a time when I had to do exactly that road and it was a Friday and the other guy I was driving with for the company at the time, we, they'd sold his truck. So he was dropping it at this haulage yard and I had basically, he just had to jump in with me. They stacked the trailer. His trailer got put on top of mine, we strapped it. And then he had to take all his tramping gear out of his truck and put it in mine, which was my 55 plate Stralis, which was a complete mess and I spent a long time cleaning the inside of it and I got it all nobody could believe the job I'd done cleaning it so he basically all his stuff has to come out of his truck and go into mine so I'm helping him move an, an entire truckload of tramping gear into mine which also has the same stuff in it I lifted hundreds of things out and the first thing is it had been like a really hot week down in England and his bedding I don't think had ever been washed like so he was like, he's like handing me all out and like chucking it oh, in my head and I was like oh. Oh my god, this is a so it was really bad and there was no space for it, so all I ended up on top of all my bedding. So I was like, that'll be coming out. So he was like chucking stuff up in the top bunk and everything. Then he decided, we get out, drives down, so we go through Barnard Castle, but you can't because of the seven and a half ton weight limit. So we're going around. And he was was wanting, he was like needing to look for something and he was wanting to like stand on the seat to get up and get it. And I'm like looking at him because I've just gutted this Stralis or like about a gallon of G101. And he's like, uh, should I take my shoes off to climb up and that, to get in that bunk? I was like, ah, if you don't mind, please, pal, I, you know, because I've just cleaned it all out. And that was a big mistake as I'm like getting him to take his trainers off. Because <laughs> I, oh. I think he'd worn the same pair of socks all week. Oh, fantastic. So then, yeah, he's got his feet up on the dash and I was like, oh, and I was like, right, we just need to get up the road, which didn't happen because we got onto the A66 and then there was a car accident. So we got stuck there for ages sitting in like stationary traffic. So that, he wasn't really happy about that because that was my fault that there'd been a car accident there. So, Aye. Yeah, he was on the phone to his mate and I could hear his mate like down the phone sort of loud enough. He's like, how are you stuck in that? A good driver wouldn't have got stuck in that. And I was like, oh. So we got stuck in traffic and then uh, he phones his missus and tells her that he's going out tonight and everything. And then she wasn't happy about that. And then he started getting into a worse and worse argument about it. Shouting and he was like, just, just because I cheated on you, that means that I can't go out, with a, out on a Saturday night or on a Friday night. Is that how it's going to be and everything? And I was like, well, Okay, so then he got out the truck because we're sitting in like standstill traffic for ages because the road's blocked. And he starts like walking up and down, screaming down the phone at her. Like, and all these people in the cars are watching him. And I was like, this is going to end up like on Twitter. Somebody's going to video this. And that went on for quite, that went on for quite uh, some time. And then we we got in the truck and that continued like most of the way, way home. And then I had to get all his bedding out of the truck and then empty all my stuff out as well. Oh, look, then, it sounded like this could have ended up with a hostage situation when he snapped and took you hostage until well, she... Yeah. Well, what yeah. happened next was he got a Renault Premium 
and I kept oh my god and then I got something happened to the Iveco but basically there, there was a, a Scania a, a new rented in Scania R5 ATV8 was introduced into the yard and he got back before me one morning so they gave him the Scania R580 and they said, right, you've to get his Renault Premium. So I was like, all oh, right. So basically then he'd had all his stinking stuff in that. So then I had to go and gut the Renault again. And he got the brand new Scania. And then, but yeah, and then the night heater didn't work in the Renault. So I had to get that fixed. And when we were looking for the night heater, he'd left me a present in a bottle. And I must say it was the most alarming colour of piss I'd ever seen. It was like iron brew, but it clearly was not iron brew. You didn't taste it, did you? No, I didn't. No, I no, took a okay, photo. I put a photo of it and put it on Facebook, and I was <laughs> left in the back of the seat. Yeah, eventually, I think he's in jail at the moment. The last thing I heard. So hopefully, he's never going to listen to this. Well, let's hope he's in Paraguay or somewhere is, then. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, this is like edgy, edgy podcast. And this, I did get a really good trip down to Wales once because I was I was doing a lot of trunking as well as tramping, so I might not have been away for a week, but he didn't turn up on a Sunday. So I got his job to go away down to the south coast of Wales, which is, which is all right. And then he kind of you know, left a bit after that. I think he was, uh, yeah, just uh, not a, one of these characters that you encounter <laughs> from time to time. That's something I must remember, you know, when I get these dark days and I think, sorry, I'm going to sell up, I'm going to get a job. Well, this is why I work for myself, I think. This is why I'm better off doing what I do, even when it is crap. At least I don't have a psycho to deal with on a daily basis, apart from the one that looks at me in the mirror when I clean my teeth. And I know I'm not going to leave bottles of anything under my night eater. Oh, that was mm. just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, there's my present in that as well. So he was away in that Scania. And actually, I think he put something in the microwave and it exploded in it as well. And that made like a right mess of that. And it I just stayed like, there. Yeah, did I? <laughs> Should always, games, a, should always have a really cautious look around in the lockers when you inherit a truck. You don't get it anymore. If you're doing truck photo shoots, which you're not well being like doing writing for truck magazines, you turn up to do photo shoots on trucks. And like a few, like years ago, you would get, occasionally you'd get somebody in a mad panic. There was one day we were at a haulier and we said, right, we want photographs of the interior. And the guy's like, what? Why do you want photos of the interior? Like, we always do it and everything. So it was like a mad scramble because the truck was... He had his like porn stash in the truck. Yeah. yeah, he'd been like a mad panic. That was that would be why you would find those magazines like you know in hedges at the side of football pitches and things because people would just be, like they would uh, feel the need to go and dump it because their wife, mother, or girlfriend would have found it or some yeah. truck journalists had turned up and wanted to photograph the inside of the truck and you've got like a year's worth of smut up in the top <coughs> bunk. Mm. There'd be I'm many like, a man Jack- driving down A one tonight thinking what if what if I die tonight my mate does a lot of work in night years he jacked the cab in something once and a load of porn fell off the top bunk and hit the windscreen and broke it <laughs> hardcore porn that then definitely it was, it was very hardcore yeah I wonder what sort of volume of it you need to break a windscreen <laughs> it depends on the subject matter We need to finish this on a high note because we've covered mm. toilets, porn, stinking bedding. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help you. I'm down there. I'm, I'm down there in the doldrums now. I've lost it. I've lost mm. it. I've, I've got nothing upbeat to offer at this point. Let's mm. go and finish off on what are you up to and where are you going next week? God, thanks for that. <sighs> <laughs> nothing to look forward to. It's Everything's March. Dark. It's spr- spring's going to be here. The, the, Aye, three the, weeks. The cherry blossoms. Mm-hmm. 
the cherry blossoms will be blooming. The daffodils are out. Well, yeah, on a positive note, in three weeks it'll be daylight till about half past seven at night, so you can watch it rain for a bit longer. It's, yeah, it's like free, it's been so mm. cold as well. See, Greta was in Bristol oh, on a climate strike this week and everything, and I was mm. like, you've got a bloody cheek. I'm, it's freezing. <laughs> Made a right mess so, of that lawn, didn't they? The climate brigade. I saw, I saw that. I was in Cambridge yesterday, and I, I saw the mess that they made of that lawn, basically Extinction Rebellion. The, the, these protesters went to Cambridge, a university in Cambridge and dug up the lawn because yep. the university wants to sell some farmland to make a truck stop. So yeah. they, this is what they did to go and like get at them. So they dug up the lawn and to be honest, like, my seven-year-old nephew could have done a better job with his Fisher Price bulldozer than they did. Aye. And all they, all they now have done is a lorry is going to come into the centre of Cambridge with some nice rolls of turf on it. Mm. And they're going to go and re-turf it again. So that turf will have been on at least three lorries for them to get there. So, you know, yep. I was going to, I forgot well done, to take a picture. I forgot to take a picture of it at the time because I thought I thought they'd dug up the area the size of a football pitch. And it really... Yeah. Yeah, well, Greta's lot travelled along in Bristol on, uh, on Friday, didn't they? They were all trogging around in the rain and they chewed up a big lawn in Bristol with pictures of that all over the internet on Friday night saying, well done, eco-warriors. This is lovely. It looked like the Somme where they're all being... They're just winding people up. People are just like... Yeah. Like man in the street, the average people that you need to sort of um, engage with, it's it's not helping. They're just like coming across as like really obnoxious and that's not what you really want to be doing because there is a need to recycle more and use natural resources responsibly. Yeah, but these all sorts of single issue types always are aggressive and shouty, aren't they? It is, yeah. It's not it's not it's not helping things, you know. We should pig save and all this crew that like to go out and jump in front of the tractors going into abattoirs and all that. It's all shouty shouty and death threats and You should be thinking about, you know, (sighs) where your food comes from, is it sustainably and ethically sourced and using plastics less. The most shocking thing that I've seen in recent years that really made Mm. me think about things was like the ocean plastics. The yeah. amount of crap that ends up in the ocean, and there should be so so much more being done to vastly reduce the amount of plastics being used in mm. on the planet. But there's like not that would make such an enormous difference to the environment. I yeah. think that would be my issue. But but no, digging up lawns is not the way. Not yeah, the way Jack, to go about that at all. Jack Johnson, that Hawaiian singer, he um he, he had a program on. Uh, it's going to be five years, maybe a more, and he took a film crew to an an island somewhere in Hawaiian um, archipelago there, and it was like a catchment point for all the plastic bottles and the rest of it that sort of gathers up. It, it, it takes years to form, and it, it sort of finds its way into this channel. You've never seen anything like it. Well, I haven't, anyway. It was unbelievable. It's like every bloody plastic bottle in the world winds up there eventually. It was as far as you could see, as deep as you could see, and they were dredging this stuff out day after day after day after day after day. Christ knows where it all come from. That's not got in there by accident. There's been some wholesale yeah. dumping at sea, you know, to get that much mess there. It was, that's, uh, what used to, that's what used to go on a lot in America. I was reading a book, like a, a fictional book in New Orleans, mm. uh, but that's what they used to do in the boats. They'd just go out and dump all the rubbish at sea, and that's gone on for like many, many years, yeah. and it's just all floating yeah. about and and there now, but coming back to trucks for a second, you know all the food waste that you get now, they can go and like anaerobic digest it or something? Yeah. That's I'm not sure that's the exact name, but you can make biogas out that, and that biogas you can use to fuel trucks. 
like uh, LNG, CNG trucks can run on this gas. So, it is anaerobic, isn't it? They put it in those big digesters yeah. and it's it starves it of oxygen to a point. It's a great idea, that. Well, I mean, if, you know, that's the amount of food waste and stuff. It's good that that can go to good use and everything. So big, bad lorries can be running on completely mm. carbon-neutral gas. Because I think that stuff like that, alternative fuels and things, are going to be more realistic than electric. It's not that I want to go on a tangent about that right now, near, near the end of the podcast. But, no. you know, that's a good thing for the environment involving trucks. magazine just came out there on Friday which has got 10 trucks three men, a baby and a gun in the cover for the first time ever. I was quite pleased with the way that issue came out then we've got some nice feed, nice feedback on it hopefully it translates to sales at the newsstand. I've got, uh, I'm eminently grateful to you for removing that picture you took in our yard last winter that made me look like a Jethro that had escaped from a high security unit wearing a woolly hat. Thanks. I'm I'm pleased to see that's gone and been replaced with one where I look like a Jethro that's out and about in summer. It was unusual last week because I was sitting in an office with yeah. sitting beside my art editor, um, Gareth, who's done a fantastic job over the last couple of months. Unfortunately, I don't have him sort of permanently, but I'll be getting him in bits and pieces because if you notice some few, a few tweaks in the last couple of yeah. issues of Truck and Driver, it's basically largely down to him. I, I had a concept for that cover with a the yellow and blue scan at the top and the black one at the bottom and we sat and mm. he brought it to life as well. And just before the Team T&D pages went, I was like, wait, wait, wait. I said, I've got a picture of Chris. Please put that in. That'll really please him, Matt. <laughs> yeah, because the day you came, he says, I need to get a picture. I need to get a picture. So you came that afternoon, middle of bloody winter, and it was about you minus 12. You, you and I was filthy. I'd just come out from under. I was black, bright. And he said, take your overalls off. Put your hat on. Stand there. So I did. And then it went yeah. and a Lithuanian hitman or something. Yeah, thanks for that. I've had to live with that one. My daughters are barely speaking to me, but anyway, things have improved a little bit over the week. It's a look, look, new picture. So, um, why have you got your sunglasses on your head, Dad? They're always on your head. It's in, in the summer. It was well, it's summer in place of nice. hair. It break, it, no, it just breaks up a massive expanse. You know, if you put your sunnies up there, it does. It does give you, you know, the concept of it's a fringe. Well, I've got these big. Earphones on at the moment, yeah, that's yeah. quite good. It's quite good. It's like a sort of comb yeah. over sort of thing. Yeah. Aye, that's what we're going for. You know, it, it just breaks up all that expensive head. So yeah, that's why they're up there. I can't see a bloody thing. I could do with them on my eyes, to be fair. But and uh, what price get, vanity? Get two pairs, one for your eyes, and one for your head. Okay, well, like a fly. Mm. I think that ties things off for this week, Chris. All right, we'll say good day to you, and I will catch up with you next week. I shall count down the seconds. Catch you later. Three, four, five. Bye then. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.